Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the devil are you doing? Ooh, baby, I love your way every day. Yeah, yeah. Chris, um, it is uh, Sunday that we're putting this show out. I am, uh, over this weekend, I've had, I've, had a, I've had a mixed few weeks. I went to um, Lithuania. I had on, on one weekend. I had a Halloween party. Uh, oh, I just said party. That's uh, that's fucking lame, isn't it? Uh, and uh, and then I drove up to Hartlepool. Drove up to um, to see my parents. Oh, wow. uh, I did drove for five and a half hours. I just felt like the th- thing about driving is that like when you drive a, a huge distance um you get to spot things that you don't normally get to spot like um the a1m uh, a1m's fine collection of pornography shops uh, on the corner of every uh, <laughs> every, every junction uh, and also like i was able to sort of stop in little villages that i would never normally sort of select a- as a place to stop for a rest or whatever um right. and that kind of made me think of japan a little bit because we will have a very set and specific a uh, list of sort of places that we all will have been as ja- Japanophiles, mm-hmm. Japan enthusiasts, your Kyotos, mm. your Osakas, your Fukuokas, because they're all on the Shinkansen. And it's not until you get in that car and get to sort of go off the beaten track a little bit that you explore and experience something different. And I, I'm very excited or excitable about the possibility <laughs> of driving again in Japan if I don't get banned before that time which i fully you say driving again you've you've never driven in japan have you never never driven in japan no but i have sat in the car while you uh got a speeding ticket which is very enjoyable yeah, when you when me. you don't get your me. speeding when you get your speeding ticket uh chris did that go like do you get points on your license and stuff <sighs> you know what i didn't really know i know i had to pay them like ichimayen there and then right and i think i got some points <laughs> i'm not really sure what happened although the points will be gone by now because that was a few years ago um so my right. license is Nice and clean once again, because you haven't been around for two years to cause me problems. <laughs> That's much, yeah. uh, but no, driving <laughs> Japan's a beautiful thing because, well, coming from the UK, right? They drive on the correct side of the road on the left, yeah, and uh, it's it's beautiful. What's it's the what's the kind of like what's the difference between driving in in, in England and driving in in Japan with like road markings and stuff like that? It's most of it in English. It's kind of it's kind of you can kind of figure out what you're doing. 
Is the same kind of things, lane system, turn and right, turn and left. Can you turn right on a on a red light and stuff like America? Uh, no, no, you can't. But what right. you can do, okay. what what I find the most problematic thing is the traffic lights are above mm. you often. And right. coming from the UK, we only have the traffic lights sort of at the side of the road, In right? Front, yeah. So yeah, so I've often not realised that it's green or whatever, and I've stopped, or I don't stop because I can't see the traffic light, or I'm not looking upwards. Yeah. And that's something you've got to adjust to, lest you get yeah. in a tragic and brutal car accident. Um, that's one thing to be careful of, that Americans yeah. have the upper hand on. It sounds like, yeah, but they have, they have lights ab- above them, don't they? They, they, uh, they do, yeah. They a similar sort of system. But I think, um, and you were saying that you don't have any pointing license. You might have pointing license you don't know about. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you've been Probably. blasting through red lights left, right and centre, you absolute <laughs> orc. But there's no, um, there's no roundabouts here. So right. you don't have to worry about British roundabouts, um, a purely maniacal British invention. <laughs> um, so yeah, you don't have to worry about that. That's good. Cool. I think, fun, fun, fun. That's the, the hardest thing about driving, right? But, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, it's a, it's a good place. It's a good place for, for driving, and I highly recommend it. You know, something I think if you come here for like three weeks and you do two weeks, you do the standard golden route, you know, your Tokyo, your Kyoto, your Hiroshima, and then have another week, which I call the fun week, and you use that mm. week to go on an adventure in a car and drive around and go to all the exciting places like that town that spent $200,000 on a giant squid statue. <laughs> go there, have a look around. The real squid maybe game. More. <laughs> the real squid game, $200,000 squid. <laughs> Wait, I need to go and check that out. That's a wacky weekend yeah. in the making. And speaking of wacky weekend, I'm off with Connor to uh, Hokkaido for a, a wacky weekend. I can't tell all you right. what it is. Don't want to spoil the surprise. Why are you it is going for to Hokkaido? It's bloody freezing, mate. You're going to be <laughs> the only warmth coming from Connor's deep pipes on the train, <laughs> yapping along like you you got in trouble last time, as discussed in the previous <laughs> podcast. His deep booming voice, and in fact, we voice. we uh, we're not renting a car this time. We are doing it on trains. So okay, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare. We can't we can't have a conversation because Formula bloody bush, mate. Urusai. <laughs> Urusai. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen, isn't it? He's going to get told yeah. off again for talking with his big, <laughs> deep voice. But yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Hokkaido. It is nice. And it should yeah. be just before the first snowfall, so it won't be too brutal. Um, of course, Hokkaido has some of the heaviest snowfall in the world, so if you don't like is snow, don't go they've there. Their, uh, they've cancelled their snow festival in January again, haven't they? Oh no, have they? I don't know. I think did I hear that? Or did it? Or was it? Was it this year's one? Oh, I don't know. I don't. They probably cancelled this year's one, but uh, you never know. The next one might be going. Yeah. Now, like seventy-seven percent of Japan's population are vaccinated. They don't have too much to worry about. In My theory, are off for their boosters today. Boosters. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll do a bit of research and have a look because I'd love to go back to that snow festival. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe you'll be able to come back over and experience it. <laughs> Under the guise of a business trip, we got a I've got a story here. I've got a business trip. I've got a business meeting with some snow. <laughs> got to import some radios. We've got a story yeah. here from Oliver from Australia. Oliver from Australia. Dear Chris and Pete, my name's Oliver and I'm from Australia. Today I bring you a story from when I went on my school Japan trip in 2019. God damn it, Oliver. When I went to school, my school trip was to a local farm every year. The school had no budget. They would yeah. take us to a farm and they'd go, look at this, it's a cow. 
look at the cow and you'd go when yeah, I was at, uh, why are we here when I was at, when I was at Catholic school uh, the most exotic trip was uh, was to Lewards, uh, which I didn't go to because I'm not Catholic <laughs> <laughs> a holy sanct of sorts still pretty good though compared to the local farm mm, but yeah. uh, Oliver beats us all with a trip to Japan <laughs> uh, we were staying at a traditional inn in Takayama City in Gifu uh, taking a much needed break from the hectic city atmosphere the owners of the inn were an elderly couple that was still quite spirit, uh, still quite sprightly, despite both of mm. them being over 80 years old. One of the days on our stay, the old man decided he wanted to go foraging for mushrooms in the forest and that it would be a fun activity for a bunch of teenagers to do. Therefore, we all piled into his van, drove up the mountains into Giffy Prefecture. We then plunged into the forest, foraging bags in hand, and were told to search for mushrooms with a purple top. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, our 85-year-old guide led us ever deeper into the Japanese wilderness, and after about an hour of walking, we were beginning to get tired. We were convinced we were lost, doomed to live out the rest of our days in a secluded Japanese forest with nothing but a couple of purple mushrooms for sustenance. As we descended into a gully uh, and crossed a stream with our feet getting soaked in the process, uh, we realized the old man had stopped suddenly. Next to the very overgrown path we were following was a dead animal of some sort. Upon closer inspection, it turned out to be a wild boar. All of us were very surprised, but the old man was concerned for some reason. We had to wait 20 minutes while he called the local authorities uh, to discuss our discovery. And then we were off again with no end in sight. But after another 10 minutes of walking, we suddenly emerged from the forest onto a road. As it happened, we'd come out of the forest only 300 metres from where the van was parked. And while we'd been <laughs> convinced that this old man was leading us on an expedition doomed to end in starvation, he'd actually known exactly where we were the entire time. Suffice to say, it was an impressive testament to the man's knowledge of the area. And although we only managed to find six of the much-needed and much-desired purple mushrooms. Our foraging mission remains one of the most memorable and talked-about events of our trip. Keep up the brilliant work, guys. All the best. Oliver from Australia. I don't know how I feel about that story. It felt it's like not- it felt like it was it was leading somewhere big, and then yeah. it didn't. It was fine. A dead, a dead animal. I- there's not, there's not <laughs> I- much room in the forest. Because you, you get out and you're right close to, to to where you got in. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting uh, the twist was that there was no dead uh, boar, uh, except uh, they'd eaten too many mushrooms and they'd gone quite mad. It sounded like a short film that just didn't have mm. much budget and they were scaring the audience. Like, what's going to happen? They're going to get mauled to death by wild boars and bears. <laughs> All right, it's a dead boar and we didn't find any mushrooms. We found six. No. But I mean, that's nice. It's, it is those sort of moments, those poignant moments that Oliver experienced where you meet a local, they take you somewhere, they do something cool mm. that sort of define your time in Japan, I feel. And I've got like moments like that where I've met someone and they dragged me into a forest to look at things. And <laughs> it's, it's a great experience. I think I did it. I did mountain biking in my first year with a group of um, Japanese cyclists. I was mm. a bit out of my, you know, I was a bit out of their league. They'd cycle like every day up a mountain. I had never yeah. done that. I got on the bike, cycled for an hour. I got so like buggered from it. I was physically sick all over the forest and I it put me off cycling for two years until Jenny Cross Japan. Yeah. But uh, and, and and congratulations for the the, the, the most um, epic misuse of the term. I was out of their league. You were very much was, out of their league, but you were very much <laughs> under their league. Your league was were, <laughs> a thousand leagues under their league. <laughs> they were out of my league. Yes, they were. Uh, but no, it's those moments, right? Like when, when it comes to travel, it's the, the hmm. stories that you remember the ones where you meet someone and have some interesting interaction. It might be romance. Yep. It might be mushrooms. It might be wild boars that are dead. 
it's those sort of moments that define your trip to Japan. If you come to Japan, guys, try and seek them out. Try and chat with some locals and see where the night takes you. Or follow an 86-year-old man into a forest and get some purple (laughs) mushrooms of questionable, (laughs) edible nature. Purple mushrooms? Are they edible? Purple mushrooms. What do you know about purple mushrooms, Pete? Great Prince album. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Chris... News. It's news time, my friend. News time. We, this, this happens every single show during <laughs> the Abronish Man podcast. <laughs> and uh, this this one's it's an interesting one because we talk about um, justice quite a lot. We talk about mm. uh, human rights quite a lot I- I- in Japan. Justice uh, delicious. This, justice delicious. I mean, this is, isn't, isn't a, a delicious uh, story uh, per se, but it, but it is very interesting. Um, Two death row inmates in Japan are taking legal action against same-day executions. Now, pretty much everywhere else in in the universe, uh, certainly in America, where I think a lot of our kind of like uh, chat about about uh, capital uh, punishment kind of mm. exists, um, there you know you get a bit of time. You you, you could be in this kind of like death row stasis for a very very long time, uh, and and when your actual date of uh, of, of of your execution uh, arrives, you have a little bit of time to mount some kind of objection. That's not the case in Japan. Uh, prisoners on death row in Japan and notified only hours before they are to be executed. Capital punishment mm-hmm. in Japan is conducted by hanging. You know, it, it, obviously uh, my country gave that up a, a long time ago, not long enough in many people's opinions. But uh, the, the lawyers of these two death row inmates in Japan who are taking legal action against the same-day execution uh, basically say that the short notice is extremely inhumane. Uh, death row prisoners live in fear every morning that their day, that day will be their last. And uh, the, the government has said that this is meant to keep prisoners from suffering before their execution, but there, that's no explanation. Overseas, prisoners are given time to contemplate the end of their lives and mentally mm-hmm. prepare. It's an interesting... I mean, if you have to have the death penalty, and I don't think anybody has to, um, it's an interesting approach because... You know, I don't want to be glib, don't want to take this too lightly, but is there something to be said for knowing that you're going to go and and not having too much time to think about it? Uh, I, I, mm. I I think it's incredibly barbaric any place that has has the death penalty, but it's a it's an interesting kind of sociological kind of uh, kind of thought, I suppose, isn't it? Or, or, or physiological. I don't know where that particularly sits, but uh, it's 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 uh, it's not great. And there are 100 people, more than 100 people on death row yeah, in Japan. Yeah. None have been executed for the, for nearly two years. So th- that's what I don't understand. Like you're on death row and they just don't execute anyone for, for, for two years. I mean, they could get that done in a year. Surely, I mean, the, the, if you if you know that's your fate, um, the the most humane thing is to actually do you know follow through, presumably on 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 what has been actually uh, decided. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what my my, my thoughts are on this. Uh, I just think that uh, any developed nation uh, shouldn't really have the death penalty because um, there are so many examples of misjustice and miscarriage of justice mm. uh, that, that you can't roll back from. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. I, I'm certainly. You know, I read about certain crimes. I think, yeah, maybe just just kill them, death penalty. Right. Then- okay. Good. All right. Well, we got Chris's take on that. Uh, Chris, that's my take. Big thumbs up. Well, no, big thumbs up. If, yeah. If you, if you know, someone who commits someone like mass murder, right? Somebody commits mass mm. murder and they admit to doing it, and there's no shadow of a doubt, then maybe it's something to consider. But uh, yeah, there, you're gonna be pretty uh, fucking mad to of- kill that many people, though, haven't you? It happens. Gotta be, it happens. Uh, it could be pretty. But I see what pretty you mean. Loopy. Yeah, like, 
Yeah. They could be loopy. There's always a, mm. a way around it. There's always a loophole. There's always some sort of reasonable doubt. But yeah, there is. It's there's no doubt that it's uh, it is horrific. Um, but uh, no, the death but penalty could it be is done very more much, humanely. Well, yeah, the fact that you these people have been hundred people in death row have been sitting there for years, not knowing if today is their last day. I imagine that yeah. must be a pretty insane, in. unpleasant experience. And what if what if they are you know they have been. Uh, one of them is innocent and they've just had yeah. to endure that horror. That's quite unpleasant to consider. Mm. But uh, I think if you speak to most people in Japan, though, they do support the death penalty. Most people here mm. do support it uh, that I know and that I speak to. Um, For talking loudly so. on trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully Connor and I travelling in Hokkaido on a train, that won't uh, be cause for <laughs> being taken to prison. But uh, yeah, I... I don't know, really. I, I don't know what the, the the 100 people on death row, I don't know what they've done to warrant that. Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't know, really. But, Glad uh, you're not in charge. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not the right person to administer justice. It depends what mood I'm in. My mood, <laughs> it, go, it goes, Delicious depends justice. on what I've eaten. If right. I haven't eaten enough chicken, I would be a very, not very not nice really ruler. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think the main takeaway here is I should not decide who lives and dies. No. That's, that's <laughs> the best. But, Thank uh, the Lord. You're not. But it will be interesting <laughs> to see how this comes out, to be honest. It will be interesting to see um, if the people here uh, suing the government, and they've asked mm. for 22 million yen, as you said, uh, about $200,000 in compensation. It will be yeah. interesting to see what happens here. Um, mm. And if the government says, yeah, you're right, maybe we should tell people on death row when they're going to die and not tell them the same day. Um, that'll be something to follow, something to be interesting. But uh, yeah. I think they will decline it. I think the government here will just sort of say, no, shut up, given the yeah. popularity of the death penalty in Japan. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, we'll be back mm. with Q&A and the Facts Machine. Your questions in just a moment. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash Japan. Hi, I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. And I'm Chloe Morgan. Join us every week on our brand new show, Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. We'll get stuck into the biggest stories of women's football every Tuesday from the latest in the WSL. Gareth Taylor said, oh, well, actually, we were playing 3-4-3 and we moved to 4-4-3-3. If you look at any of the footage, if you look at the way the players played in that first half, there were four players playing at the back. That sort of comment speaks of a manager who doesn't quite know what they're doing. To how the Lionesses are shaping up ahead of a home Euros next summer. For me, I would pick Lee Williamson. I would just go for it now. For a younger age captain, you've got some big tournaments coming up. I think a lot of players think she's got a really great mentality, gets on with a lot of people. For me, she's a born leader, and I think she will be England captain at some point. And what it's really like being a player in women's football today... From my own experiences of, of being in a situation like that, I mean, you know, when we got promoted uh, when I was with Spurs, that was phenomenal. I was, you know, first choice keeper. You know, then you go into the WSL for our first season and all I wanted to do was get WSL experience. Join us every Tuesday for Upfront. Search Football Ramble Presents in your podcast app. Subscribe now. Football Ramble Presents is a stack production. And we're back with the fax machine. What have we got this week from our listeners? Mr. Donaldson. We got a message from Harry O'Neill. Hi, Harry O'Neill. Hi, Chris and Pete. Quick fire question for you both here. What are the most disappointing places you have ever visited in Japan? Congratulations on you, your new studios. No, Pete, I haven't forgotten about you, Bob the Builder. <laughs> Harry O'Neill. Thank you for your love for my my little studio. <laughs> <laughs> most disappointing place in Japan. Mm. Oh, that's. I mean, I don't really like Niigata. I have some good friends in Niigata City. Yeah. Uh, Niigata City is not too bad, but. Just generally, Niigata Prefecture, I just find it very big and very mm. dull to drive through, as I have done mm. literally dozens of times. It's just a big, like a big plane full of nothing. And I just, yeah. I just find, yeah, Niigata a little bit underwhelming. That being, and that's why on the first season of Journey Across Japan, for the sort of four or five day stretch where we go through it, we really had to do interesting things to try and make it fun, whether that was mm. going into an abandoned tunnel, sucky vending machines, uh, what, what else did we do? We made a commercial for Dr. Jelly, really clutching yes. at straws during the Niigata <laughs> segment in a way that we didn't have to do in any of the other sort of 12 prefectures we passed through. So mm. for me personally, I find Niigata a bit 
disappointing. But I do have some very good friends there. And Ken Watanabe is from there. And if he knows that I've slagged it off, he'll kill me. So (laughs) I retract all my statements. What about you? I had a lovely lost afternoon uh, walking around Niigata and then just got drunk by myself (laughs) uh, in a a gay bar, turns out. (laughs) Naturally. But yeah. Where um where where oh, have you been disappointed by? Disappointing. Um is it Kanazawa? No, not Kanazawa, that's the ninja town. Uh what's that's the one town. that's like south of Tokyo uh, on the coast? Um uh, I was a little bit disappointed by the um, by the beaches down there. Down that way. Let's have a look. Talking all Kanagawa. 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 I was a little bit disappointed. Enoshima? Uh yeah. Uh Inosh- yes, that sort of gaff, yeah. And the Tokyo Tower as well, Chris. Not a big fan of that. Very underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Tower, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, it's a bad the, rap, the view, isn't it? Anyway, the view's all right. The, there's better places mm. like the roof of Mori Tower in Rapongi, and apparently the new Shibuya Scramble Building in Shibuya is supposed to be outstanding because it overlooks the crossing. But yes. I will let you know when I go up it. I'll give you the full review. We've got one here from Catherine from Cambridge, dear Chris and Pete. Greetings, my name's Catherine. Um, the one in Ontario, Canada, rather than the UK, but we stole the name from you. How dare you, Catherine? How dare you? In both of your opinions, what are the best places to spend Christmas in Japan? And what are the best or your favorite Japanese Christmas activities? It's unlikely we'll be able to return to Canada this Christmas due to COVID. Mm. Uh, we spent Christmas 2020 in Okinawa. Uh, thank you in advance. All the best, Catherine from Cambridge. I, 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 because I'm sort of, I love Christmas. It's like my favorite time of year. The idea of spending it somewhere hot, I don't know if I'd like that. Don't know how I feel about that. Maybe it's good though. Okinawa is pretty awesome. I think for me, I would. I was in Kyoto for a lot of last Christmas, doing some documentaries about townhouses, and I mm. really like Kyoto. It's a beautiful place in winter. Uh, it's still kind of warm down there, um, but uh, the city is a. It's a really good city for walking around in cold weather. Is Kyoto? You can wrap up warm. There's lots of stalls selling sort of hot coffee and hot tea, and uh, uh, lots of sake and things. Also. Maybe it's places in the mountains like Takayama, uh, where you can find purple mushrooms, as we discovered earlier. And maybe as well, Sapporo. Um, I have very fond memories of Sapporo in the winter. It's very, very cold, as Pete Donaldson will attest to, but beautiful. Sapporo, Takayama, Kyoto, those for me are the three best places to probably spend Christmas in Japan. Any thoughts, Pete? Mm. Yeah, I think. <sighs> I guess you're in a situation where you have to kind of roll with the punches to a certain extent, my fam- favourite phrase ever, uh, because um, you don't really know what you're going to expect compared to what you'd expect at home, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I've only really heard of the KFC and working uh, Christmas activity that you've kind of got involved with a couple of times, Chris, but that's about it. I just think, I just think, I would just love to just take a few days over Christmas and just enjoy Christmas from a distance to a certain extent, because like you're kind of watching, uh, you're kind of watching uh, uh, people on your social media enjoy Christmas, mm. uh, and you're mm. in a place that doesn't really celebrate Christmas all that much. So, or, or they do on a very True. kind of like uh, a t- tertiary, would you call it, or a very kind of like um, uh, a, a, a skin deep level, so to speak. <laughs> in deep level, well, I mean, there's no Jesus Christ and Santa no. Claus. Well, he's he's around, but he's I, d- I don't. I don't mind Christmas in Japan as much as I used to. Obviously, I've spent the last mm. sort of two Christmases here because of COVID, but uh, it's not too bad. It's, it's, it's. I, I like the fact they still have the music and the decorations, and you can sort of delude yeah. yourself that it's, it's Christmas. But it, it's never going to be 
anywhere as near as good as uh, as back home, really, where it's got no. a bit more depth to it and a bit more. Yeah. And also, it's very anticlimactic. Like in the UK, and obviously anywhere Europe, America, where we celebrate Christmas, you've got that nice build up to Christmas, and it builds up, mm. and then it comes Christmas Day, and it's a wonderful, magical day here in Japan. I remember working on my first two or three Christmases here, and it was oh. very rubbish and very unpleasant. Christoph. Not fun. And I fell over in <laughs> some fun. snow. Awful. We got one here from Kendall. <laughs> we got one here from Kendall. Hello, Sir Christopher and Sir Peterfer. Uh, Mike doesn't really work, does it? My name's no. Kendall. I'm tragically American. Tragically American. And I'm currently <laughs> sitting on the train from Edinburgh to Aberdeen. Very good. Oh. I'm currently living in Aberdeen and have been living here for the past eight years. But I'm working in Edinburgh, so here I am sat with my cheap plastic bottle of wine, headed home after a week of working in the tourist capital of Scotland. <laughs> it's a very vivid imagery. It's very poetic, isn't it? Mm. So I feel like I'm reading a diary, Bridget Jones' diary. <laughs> Does this happen in Japan? Do people live several hours away and spend the work week in a different city, travelling home on the weekends? Is this something uniquely Western? Let me know your thoughts. Keep up the hard work. Kendall from Connecticut. Um, to be honest, I think... Not so much, not on this scale. Like in Japan, certainly in cities like Tokyo, a lot of people work an hour to a 90-minute sort of train ride or commute away from the workplace. So I don't know what the distance is between Edinburgh and Aberdeen. Do you know what it is? Several hours? It's a fair old schlep. I'd say about four hours maybe. I I don't know. I've only ever been to Aberdeen once. And as they say, uh, Aberdeen's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. Um, My best friend, (laughs) one of my my best friends, uh, Craig, is uh, from Aberdeen. uh, And he's lovely. And everyone I've met from Aberdeen is lovely. uh, But it's a grim old industrial kind of... It's it's where like the oil rig, uh, the oil industry in Scotland... Scotland is uh it's uh it's pretty it's, it's pretty rough up there. <laughs> oh, man. I'd love to check out Aberdeen. I'd love to check out Scotland a bit more. I've only been to Edinburgh and it was absolutely stunning. Mm. But I don't think people do sort of commute like that here that much. Certainly mm. when I went to China, I know it's quite common in China for people to just sort of live and move away from their entire families for months at a time um to work and save money. But in Japan not so much. Um the, the longest commutes I know from friends are sort of an hour or two, an hour and a half yeah. on, on trains in Tokyo, where obviously Tokyo is, is fabulous, fabulously expensive to live in a central area. And a lot of people don't have uh, the choice or the kind of chance to live near their workplace. But uh, one of the benefits of living somewhere like Sendai or Sakata, Yamagata, where I used to live, is you can live and work a lot closer uh, to your workplace here it's a lot cheaper mm. and that's another reason to avoid places like Tokyo and uh, move mm. out to more rural places you can have a, yeah. a better quality of life um, by far like the people I knew living in Yamagata uh, they certainly weren't the richest people Yamagata one of the most poorest prefectures in Japan but the quality of life was head and shoulders above Tokyo and people in Yamagata were all the more happier for it um, living in nature mm. and being able to live and work a lot closer uh, and have that not have to commute for hours on end on busy trains. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, yeah. Those are my thoughts on that. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to brawnjapanpodcast at gmail dot com. We'll be back later in the week, guys. Do it all over again. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great few days, and we'll see you to do it all over again right here on the Abroad Japan Podcast. Bye for now.
Recording Japan is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.